Part Two of Miss Alliance. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Miss Alliance by George Bernard Shaw. Part Two. Tarleton returns from the vestibule. Hypatia sits down demurely. Well, Papa, have you meditated on your destiny? What? Oh, my destiny! Gad, I forgot all about it. Jock started a rabbit and put it clean out of my head. Besides, why should I give way to morbid introspection? It's a sign of madness, read Lombroso. Well, Summerhays, has my little girl been entertaining you? Yes, she is a wonderful entertainer. I think my idea of bringing up a young girl has been rather a success. Don't you listen to this, Patsy, it might make you conceited. She's never been treated like a child. I always said the same thing to her mother. Let her read what she likes, let her do what she likes, let her go where she likes. Eh, Patsy? Oh, yes. If there had only been anything for me to do, any place for me to go, anything I wanted to read. Eh, you see? She's not satisfied. Restless. Wants things to happen. Wants adventures to drop out of the sky. Hypatia gathering up her work. If you're going to talk about me and my education, I'm off. Well, off with you. To Lord Summerhays. She's active, like me. She actually wanted me to put her into the shop. Well, they tell me that the girls there have adventures sometimes. She goes out through the inner door. She had me there, though she doesn't know it, poor innocent lamb. Public scandal exaggerates enormously, of course, but moralize as you will, superabundant vitality is a physical fact that can't be talked away. He sits down between the writing-table and the sideboard. Difficult question this, of bringing up children. Between ourselves it has beaten me. I was never so surprised in my life as when I came to know Johnny as a man of business and found out what he was really like. How do you manage with your sons? Well, I really hadn't time to be a father. That's the plain truth of the matter. Their poor dear mother did the usual thing while they were with us. Then, of course, Harrow, Cambridge, the usual routine of their class. I saw very little of them and thought very little about them how could i with a whole province on my hands they and i are acquaintances not perhaps quite ordinary acquaintances there's a sort of uh, i should almost call it a sort of remorse about the way we shake hands when we do shake hands which means i suppose that we're sorry we don't care more for one another and i'm afraid we don't meet oftener than we can help we put each other too much out of countenance it's really a very difficult relation to my mind not altogether a natural one that's an idea certainly i don't think anybody has ever written about that bentley is the only one who is really my son in any serious sense he was completely spoiled when he was sent to a preparatory school he simply yelled until he was sent home harrow was out of the question but we managed to tutor him into cambridge no use he was sent down by that time my work was over, and I saw a good deal of him, but I could do nothing with him except look on. I should have thought your case was quite different. You keep up the middle-class tradition, the day-school and the business training instead of the university. I believe in the day-school part of it. 
at all events you know your own children do you i'm not so sure of it fact is my dear summerhays once childhood is over once the little animal has got past the stage at which it acquires what you might call a sense of decency it's all up with the relation between parent and child you can't get over the fearful shyness of it shyness yes shyness read dickens dickens of all authors charles dickens are you serious i don't mean his books read his letters to his family read any man's letters to his family they're not human they're not about himself or themselves they're about hotels scenery about the weather about getting wet and losing the train and what he saw on this road and all that not a word about himself forced shy duty letters all fit to be published that says everything i tell you there's a wall ten feet thick and ten miles high between parent and child i know what i'm talking about i've girls in my employment girls and young men i had ideas on the subject i used to go to the parents and tell them not to let their children go into the world without instruction in the dangers and temptations they were going to be thrown into what did every one of the mothers say to me oh sir how could i speak of such things to my own daughter the men said i was quite right but they didn't do it any more than i'd been able to do it myself to johnny i had to leave books in his way and i felt just awful when i did it believe me summerhays the relation between the young and the old should be an innocent relation it should be something they could talk about well the relation between parent and child may be an affectionate relation it may be a useful relation it may be a necessary relation but it can never be an innocent relation you die rather than allude to it depend on it in a thousand years it'll be considered bad form to know who your father and mother are embarrassing better hand bentley over to me i can look him in the face and talk to him as man to man you can have johnny thank you i've lived so long in a country where a man may have fifty sons who are no more to him than a regiment of soldiers that i'm afraid i've lost the english feeling about it you mean genghis khan ah yes good thing the empire educates us opens our minds knocks the bible out of us and civilizes the other chaps yes it civilizes them and it uncivilizes us their gain our loss tarleton believe me our loss well why not averages out the human race makes the nigger half an englishman makes the englishman half a nigger speaking as the unfortunate englishman in question i don't like the process if i had my life to live over again i'd stay at home and super-civilize myself nonsense don't be selfish think how you've improved the other chaps look at the spanish empire bad job for spain but splendid for south america look at what the romans did for britain they burst up and had to clear out but think of all they taught us they were the making of us i believe there was a roman camp on hindhead i'll show it to you to-morrow that's the good side of imperialism it's unselfish i despise the little englanders they're always talking about england small-minded 
I'm for the Parliament of Man, the Federation of the World. Read Tennyson. Then there's the great food question. Need we go into that this afternoon? No, but I wish you'd tell the chickabiddy that the Genghis Khans eat no end of toasted cheese, and that it's the secret of their amazing health and long life. Unfortunately, they are neither healthy nor long-lived, and they don't eat toasted cheese. There you are. They would be if they ate it. Anyhow, say what you like, provided the moral is a Welsh rabbit for my supper. British morality in a nutshell. Yes. Ha, 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 ha. Awful hypocrites, ain't we? <laughs> they are interrupted by excited cries from the grounds. Papa! Hello, Governor! Mamma, come, come out, out as fast as you can! Quick, quick! Look! Look! Tarleton, starting up. Aeroplane! Did he say an aeroplane? Aeroplane? A shadow falls on the pavilion, and some of the glass at the top is shattered and falls on the floor. Tarleton and Lord Summerhays rush out through the pavilion into the garden. Take care! Take care of the chimney! On this side, it's coming right where you're standing! Hello! They've where the it. devil are He's you lost coming? Control. You have my roof off! Look, look, Hypatia! There are two people in it. Well steered! Yes, but they're coming slab into the greenhouse. Look Why out for the glass. Coming? They'll break all the glass. They'll save it. They'll spoil all the grapes. No, they're down. An appalling crash of breaking glass is heard. Everybody shrieks. Are you all right? Are you hurt? Are you is sure? Anything sure you won't. Shall I get you some water off the shop? or some wine? No, thank you. Quite right. Not a scratch. I assure you I'm all right. What luck! And what a smash! You are a lucky chap, I can tell you. The aviator and Tarleton come in through the pavilion, followed by Lord Summerhays and Bentley, the aviator on Tarleton's right. Bentley passes the aviator and turns to have an admiring look at him. Lord Summerhays overtakes Tarleton less pointedly on the opposite side with the same object. I'm really very sorry. I'm afraid I've knocked your vinery into a cocked hat. You don't mind, do you? Not a bit. Come in and have some tea. Stay to dinner. Stay over the weekend. All my life I've wanted to fly. The aviator, taking off his goggles. You're really more than kind. Why, it's Jerry Percival. Hello, Ben. That's you? What? The man with three fathers? Oh, has Ben been talking about me? Consider yourself as one of the family, if you will do me the honor. And your friend, too. Where is your friend? Oh, by the way, before he comes in, let me explain. I don't know him. Eh? I haven't even looked at him. I'm trying to make a club record with a passenger. The club supplied the passenger. He just got in, and I've been too busy handling the aeroplane to look at him. I haven't said a word to him, and I can't answer for him socially, but he's an ideal passenger for a flyer. He saved me from a smash. I saw it. It was extraordinary. When you were thrown out, he held on to the top bar with one hand. You came past him in the air, going straight for the glass. He caught you and turned you off into the flower-bed, and then lighted beside you like a bird. How he cut his head, I can't imagine. Frankly, I didn't. The passenger, also begoggled, comes in through the pavilion with Johnny and the two ladies. The passenger comes between Percival and Tarleton, Mrs. Tarleton between Lord Summerhays and her husband, Hypatia between Percival and Bentley, and Johnny to Bentley's right. Just discussing your prowess, my dear sir. Magnificent! You'll stay to dinner. Uh, you'll stay the night. 
Stay over the week. The chickabiddy will be delighted. Won't you take off your goggles and have some tea? The passenger begins to remove the goggles. Do. Have a wash. Uh, Johnny, take the gentleman to your room. I'll look after Mr. Percival. They must— By this time the passenger has got the goggles off, and stands revealed as a remarkably good-looking woman. Well, oh, I a woman. You never told me. I hadn't the least idea. I assure you, if I'd had the faintest notion that my passenger was a lady, I shouldn't have left you to shift for yourself in that selfish way. The lady seems to have shifted for both very effectually, sir. Saved my life. I admit it most gratefully. I must apologize, madam, for having offered you the civilities appropriate to the opposite sex. And yet, why opposite? We are all human, males and females of the same species. When the dress is the same, the distinction vanishes. I'm proud to receive in my house a lady of evident refinement and distinction. Allow me to introduce myself. Tarleton. John Tarleton. Yes, yes, Tarleton's underwear. Uh, my wife, Mrs. Tarleton. You'll excuse me for having in what I had taken to be a confidence between man and man alluded to her as the chickabiddy. My daughter Hypatia, who has always wanted some adventure to drop out of the sky, and is now, I hope, satisfied at last. Lord Summerhays, a man known wherever the British flag waves. His son, Bentley, engaged to Hypatia. Mr. Joseph Percival, the promising son of three highly intellectual fathers. Bentley's friend? Bentley nods. Tarleton, continuing to the passenger. May I now ask to be allowed the pleasure of knowing your name? My name is Lina Shchepanovska. Sh I beg your pardon? Shchepanovska. Thank you. Would you mind saying it again? Say fish. Fish. Say church. Church? Say fish church. But it's not good sense. Say fish church. Fish church. Again? No, but fish church. Now, say Shchepanovska. Shchepanovska. Got it, by gad. A sibilant whispering becomes audible. They are all saying sh-ch to themselves. Not an English name, is it? Polish. I'm a Pole. Ah, yes. Interesting nation. Lucky people to get the government of their country taken off their hands. Nothing to do but cultivate themselves, same as we took Gibraltar off the hands of the Spaniards. Saves the Spanish taxpayer. Jolly good thing for us if the Germans take Portsmouth. Uh, sit down, won't you? The group breaks up. Johnny and Bentley hurry to the pavilion and fetch the two wicker chairs. Johnny gives his to Lena. Hypatia and Percival take the chairs at the work-table. Lord Summerhays gives the chair at the vestibule end of the writing-table to Mrs. Tarleton, and Bentley replaces it with a wicker chair, which Lord Summerhays takes. Johnny remains standing behind the work-table, Bentley behind his father. Have some tea now, won't you? I never drink tea. Tarleton, sitting down at the end of the writing-table nearest Lena. Bad thing to aeroplane on, I should imagine. Too jumpy. Been up much? Not in an aeroplane. I've parachuted, but that's child's play. 
but aren't you very foolish to run such a dreadful risk you can't live without running risks oh what a thing to say didn't you know you might have been killed that was why i went up of course can't you understand the fascination of the thing the novelty the daring the sense of something happening oh no it's too tame a business for that i went up for family reasons eh what family reasons i hope it wasn't to spite your mother or your husband i'm not married and why should i want to spite my mother that was clever of you mr percival what to find out i'm in a difficulty i can't understand a lady going up in an aeroplane for family reasons it's rude to be curious and ask questions but then it's inhuman to be indifferent as if you didn't care i'll tell you with pleasure for the last hundred and fifty years not a single day has passed without some member of my family risking his life or her life it's a point of honour with us to keep up that tradition usually several of us do it but it happens that just at this moment it is being kept up by one of my brothers only early this morning i got a telegram from him to say that there had been a fire and that he could do nothing for the rest of the week fortunately i had an invitation from the aerial league to see this gentleman try to break the passenger record i appealed to the president of the league to let me save the honour of my family he arranged it for me oh, i must be dreaming this is stark raving nonsense you are quite awake sir we can't all be dreaming the same thing governor of course not you duffer but then i'm dreaming you as well as the lady don't be silly john the lady is only joking i'm sure to lena i suppose your luggage is in the aeroplane luggage was out of the question if i stay to dinner i'm afraid i can't change unless you'll lend me some clothes do you mean neither of you i'm afraid so oh well never mind hypatia will lend the lady a gown thank you i'm quite comfortable as i am i am not accustomed to gowns they hamper me and make me feel ridiculous so if you don't mind i shall not change well i'm beginning to think i'm doing a bit of dreaming myself oh it's all right mamma johnny look after mr percival to lena rising come with me lena follows her to the inner door they all rise i'll show you thank you lena goes out with hypatia and percival with johnny well this is a nice thing to happen and look at the greenhouse it'll cost thirty pounds to mend it people have no right to do such things and you invited them to dinner too what sort of woman is that to have in our house when you know that all hindhead will be calling on us to see that aeroplane bunny come with me and help me to get all the people out of the grounds i declare they came running as if they'd sprung up out of the earth she makes for the inner door oh don't you trouble chickabiddy i'll tackle them indeed you'll do nothing of the kind you'll stay here quietly with lord summerhays you'd invite them all to dinner come bunny she goes out followed by bentley lord summerhays sits down again singularly beautiful woman summerhays what do you make of her she must be a princess what's this family of warriors and statesmen that risk their lives every day they are evidently not warriors and statesmen or they wouldn't do that 
well then who the devil are they i think i know the last time i saw that lady she did something i should not have thought possible what was that well she walked backwards along a taut wire without a balancing pole and turned a somersault in the middle i remember that her name was lena and that the other name was foreign though i don't recollect it you couldn't have forgotten that if you'd heard it i didn't hear it i only saw it on a program but it's clear she's an acrobat it explains how she saved percival and it accounts for her family pride an acrobat eh good 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 summer haze that brings her within reach that's better than a princess i stealed this evergreen heart of mine when i thought she was a princess now i shall let it be touched she is accessible good i hope you are not serious remember you have a family you have a position you are not in your first youth no matter there's magic in the night when the heart is young my heart is young besides i'm a married man not a widower like you a married man can do anything he likes if his wife don't mind a widower can't be too careful not that i would have you think me an unprincipled man or a bad husband i'm not but i've a superabundance of vitality read pepys diary the woman is your guest tarleton well is she a woman i bring into my house is my guest a woman you bring into my house is my guest but a woman who drops bang down out of the sky into my greenhouse and smashes every blessed pane of glass in it must take her chance still you know that my name must not be associated with any scandal you'll be careful won't you oh lord yes 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 <laughs> i was only joking of course mrs tarleton comes back through the inner door well i never john i don't think that young woman's right in her head do you know what she's just asked for champagne no she wants a bible and six oranges what a bible and six oranges i understand the oranges she's doing an orange cure of some sort but what on earth does she want the bible for i'm sure i can't imagine she can't be right in her head perhaps she wants to read it but why should she on a weekday at all events what would you advise me to do lord summerhays well is there a bible in the house stacks of em there's the family bible and the dore bible and the parallel revised version bible and the dove's press bible and johnny's bible and bobby's bible and patsy's bible and the chickabiddy's bible and my bible and i dare say the servants could raise a few more between them let her have the lot don't talk like that before lord summerhays john it doesn't matter mrs tarleton and jingus khan it was a punishable offence to expose a bible for sale the empire has no religion lena comes in she has left her cap in hypatia's room she stops on the landing just inside the door and speaks over the handrail oh mrs tarleton shall i be making myself very troublesome if i ask for a music-stand in my room as well not at all 
You can have the piano, if you like, or the gramophone. Uh, have the gramophone. No, thank you. No music. Mrs. Tarleton, going to the steps. Do you think it's good for you to eat so many oranges? Aren't you afraid of getting jaundice? Lena, coming down. Not in the least. But billiard balls would do quite as well. But you can't eat billiard balls, child. Get em, Chickabiddy, I understand. He imitates a juggler tossing up balls. Eh? Lena, going to him, past his wife. Just so. Billiard balls and cues, plates, knives, and forks, two paraffin lamps and a hat-stand. No, that is popular low-class business. In our family we touch nothing but classical work. Anybody can do lamps and hat-stands. I can do silver bullets. That is really hard. Well, I'm sure I don't know what you're talking about, and I only hope you know yourselves. However, you shall have what you want, of course. She goes up the steps and leaves the room. Will you forgive my curiosity? What is the Bible for? To quiet my soul. Ah, oh, yes, yes. It no longer quiets mine, I am sorry to say. That is because you do not know how to read it. Put it up before you want to stand, and open it at the Psalms. When you can read them and understand them quite quietly and happily, and keep six balls in the air all the time, you are in perfect condition. And you'll never make a mistake that evening. If you find you can't do that, then go and pray until you can. And be very careful that evening. Is that the usual form of test in your profession? Nothing that we Shechevinovskas do is usual, my lord. Are you all so wonderful? It is our profession to be wonderful. Do you never condescend to do as common people do? For instance, do you not pray as common people pray? Common people do not pray, my lord. They only beg. You never ask for anything? No. Then why do you pray? To remind myself that I have a soul. Tarleton, walking about. True, fine, good, beautiful. All this damned materialism, what good is it to anybody? I've got a soul. Don't tell me I haven't. Cut me up, and you can't find it. Cut up a steam engine, and you can't find the steam. But by George, it makes the engine go. Say what you will, Summer Hayes. The divine spark is a fact. Have I denied it? Our whole civilization is a denial of it. Read Walt Whitman. I shall go to the billiard room and get the balls for you. Thank you. Lord Summerhays goes out through the vestibule door. Tarleton going to her. Listen to me. She turns quickly. What you said just now was beautiful. You touch chords. You appeal to the poetry in a man. You inspire him. Come now. You're a woman of the world. You're independent. You must have driven lots of men crazy. You know the sort of man I am, don't you? See through me at a glance, eh? Huh? Yes. She sits down quietly in the chair Lord Summerhays has just left. Good. Well, do you like me? Don't misunderstand me. I'm perfectly aware that you're not going to fall in love at first sight with a ridiculous old shopkeeper. I can't help that ridiculous old shopkeeper. 
I have to carry him about with me whether I like it or not. I have to pay for his clothes, though I hate the cut of them, especially the waistcoat. I have to look at him in the glass while I'm shaving. I loathe him because he's a living lie. My soul's not like that. It's like yours. I want to make a fool of myself about you. Will you let me? How much will you pay? Nothing. But I'll throw as many sovereigns as you like into the sea to show you that I'm in earnest. Are those your usual terms? No, I never made that bid before. Lena, producing a dainty little book and preparing to write in it. What did you say your name was? John Tarleton, the great John Tarleton of Tarleton's Underwear. T-A-R-L-E-T-O-N. Uh, she looks up at him inquiringly. Uh, Fifty-eight. Thank you. I keep a list of all my offers. I like to know what I am considered worth. Let me look. Lena, offering the book to him. It's in Polish. Ah, that's no good. Is mine the lowest offer? No, the highest. What do most of them come to? Diamonds, motor-cars, furs, villa at Monte Carlo? Oh, yes, all of that. And sometimes the devotion of a lifetime. Fancy that! A young man offering a woman his old age as a temptation. By the way, you did not say how long. Until you get tired of me. Or until you get tired of me. I never get tired. I never go on long enough for that. But when it becomes so grand, so inspiring, that I feel that everything must be an anticlimax after that, then I run away. Does she let you go without a struggle? Yes. Glad to get rid of me. When love takes a man as it takes me, when it makes him great, it frightens a woman. The lady here is your wife, isn't she? Don't you care for her? Yes, and mind, she comes first, always. I reserve her dignity even when I sacrifice my own. You'll respect that point of honor, won't you? Only a point of honor. Oh, by God, a point of affection as well. <laughs> Shake hands, old pal. She rises and offers him her hand frankly. Tarleton, giving his hand rather dolefully. Thanks. That means no, doesn't it? It means something that will last longer than yes. I like you. I admit you to my friendship. What a pity you were not trained when you were young. You'd be young still. I suppose to an athlete like you I'm pretty awful, eh? Shocking. Too much crumb, wrinkles, yellow patches that won't come off, short wind. I know. I'm ashamed of myself. I could do nothing on the high rope. Oh, yes. I could put you in a wheelbarrow and run you along two hundred feet up. Ah! Well, I'd do even that for you. Read the Master Builder. Have you learnt everything from books? Well, have you learnt everything from the flying trapeze? On the flying trapeze there is often another woman, and her life is in your hands every night, and your life in hers. Lena, I'm going to make a fool of myself. I'm going to cry. He crumples into the nearest chair. Pray instead. Don't cry. 
Why should you cry? You're not the first I've said no to. If you had said yes, should I have been the first then? What right have you to ask? Have I asked am I the first? You're right. A vulgar question. To a man like me, everybody is the first. Life renews itself. The youngest child is the sweetest. Don't probe too deep, Lena. It hurts. You must get out of the habit of thinking that these things matter so much. It's linen draperish. You're quite right. I've often said so. All the same, it does matter. For I want to cry. He buries his face in his arms on the work table and sobs. Lena, going to him. Oh, la la! She slaps him vigorously, but not unkindly, on the shoulder. Courage, old pal, courage! Have you a gymnasium here? There's a trapeze and bars and things in the billiard room. Come, you need a few exercises. I'll teach you how to stop crying. She takes his arm and leads him off into the vestibule. A young man, cheaply dressed and strange in manner, appears in the garden, steals to the pavilion door, and looks in. Seeing that there is nobody, he enters cautiously until he has come far enough to see into the hat-stand corner. He draws a revolver and examines it, apparently to make sure that it is loaded. Then his attention is caught by the Turkish bath. He looks down the lunette and opens the panels. "'Mr. Percival! Mr. Percival! Where are you?' The young man makes for the door, but sees Percival coming. He turns and bolts into the Turkish bath, which he closes upon himself just in time to escape being caught by Percival, who runs in through the pavilion, bareheaded. He also, it appears, is in search of a hiding-place, for he stops and turns between the two tables to take a survey of the room, then runs into the corner between the end of the sideboard and the wall. Hypatia, excited, mischievous, her eyes glowing, runs in, precisely on his trail turns at the same spot, and discovers him just as he makes a dash for the pavilion door. She flies back and intercepts him. Aha! Aren't you glad I've caught you? Percival, ill-humouredly turning away from her and coming towards the writing-table. No, I'm not. Confounded, what sort of girl are you? What sort of house is this? Must I throw all good manners to the winds? Hypatia, following him. Do, 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 do! This is the house of a respectable shopkeeper, enormously rich. This is the respectable shopkeeper's daughter, tired of good manners. Slipping her left hand into his right. Come, handsome young man, and play with the respectable shopkeeper's daughter. Percival, quickly withdrawing from her touch. No, no, don't you know you mustn't go on like this with a perfect stranger? Dropped down from the sky. Don't you know that you must always go on like this when you get the chance? You must come to the top of the hill and chase me through the bracken. You may kiss me if you catch me. I shall do nothing of the sort. Yes, you will. You can't help yourself. Come along. She seizes his sleeve. Fool, fool, come along. Don't you want to? No, certainly not. I should never be forgiven if I did it. You'll never forgive yourself if you don't. Nonsense. You're engaged to Ben. Ben's my friend. What do you take me for? Ben's old. Ben was born old. They're all old here, except you and me and the man-woman or woman-man, or whatever you call her that came with you. They never do anything. They only discuss whether what other people do is right. Come and give them something to discuss. I will do nothing incorrect. Oh, don't be afraid, little boy. You'll get nothing but a kiss, and I'll fight like the devil to keep you from getting that. 
but we must play on the hill and race through the heather. Why? Because we want to, handsome young man. But if everybody went on in this way? How happy, oh, how happy the world would be. But the consequences may be serious. Nothing is worth doing unless the consequences may be serious. My father says so, and I'm my father's daughter. I'm the son of three fathers. I mistrust these wild impulses. Take care. You're letting the moment slip. I feel the first chill of the wave of prudence. Save me. Really, Miss Tarleton? She strikes him across the face. Damn you! Recovering himself, horrified at his lapse. I beg your pardon, but since we've both forgotten ourselves, you'll please allow me to leave the house. He turns toward the inner door, having left his cap in the bedroom. Hypatia, standing in his way. Are you ashamed of having said damn you to me? I had no right to say it. I am very much ashamed of it. I've already begged your pardon. And you're not ashamed of having said really, Miss Tarleton? Why should I? Oh, man, man! Mean, stupid, cowardly, selfish, masculine, male man! You ought to have been a governess. I was expelled from school for saying that the very next person that said, Really, Miss Tarleton, to me, I would strike her across the face. You were the next. I had no intention of being offensive. Surely there is nothing that could wound any lady in... At least, uh, I really didn't mean to be disagreeable. Liar. Of course, if you're going to insult me, I'm quite helpless. You're a woman. You can say what you like. And you can only say what you dare. Poor wretch, it isn't much. He bites his lip and sits down, very much annoyed. Really, Mr. Percival? You sit down in the presence of a lady and leave her standing? He rises hastily. <laughs> really, Mr. Percival? Oh, really, 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 Mr. Percival? How do you like it? Wouldn't you rather I damned you? Miss Tarleton. Hypatia, Joey. Patsy, if you like. Look here, this is no good. You want to do what you like? Don't you? No, I've been too well brought up. I've argued through all this thing, and I tell you, I'm not prepared to cast off the social bond. It's like a corset. It's a support to the figure, even if it does squeeze and deform it a bit. I want to be free. Well, I'm tempting you to be free. Not at all. Freedom, my good girl, means being able to count on how other people will behave. If every man who dislikes me is to throw a handful of mud in my face, and every woman who likes me is to behave like Potiphar's wife, then I shall be a slave, the slave of uncertainty, the slave of fear, the worst of all slaveries. How would you like it, if every labourer you met in the road were to make love to you? No. Give me the blessed protection of a good stiff conventionality among thoroughly well-brought-up ladies and gentlemen. Another talker. Men like conventions because men made them. I didn't make them. I don't like them. I won't keep them. Now what will you do? Bolt. He runs out through the pavilion. I'll catch you. She dashes off in pursuit. During this conversation the head of the scandalized man in the Turkish bath has repeatedly risen from the lunette, with a strong expression of moral shock. It vanishes abruptly as the two turn towards it in their flight. At the same moment Tarleton comes back through the vestibule, exhausted by severe and unaccustomed exercise. Tarleton looking after the flying figures with amazement. Hello! Patsy, what's up? Another aeroplane? They are far too preoccupied to hear him, and he is left staring after them as they rush away through the garden. He goes to the pavilion door and looks up, but the heavens are empty. His exhaustion disables him from further inquiry. 
he dabs his brow with his handkerchief and walks stiffly to the nearest convenient support which happens to be the turkish bath he props himself upon it with his elbow and covers his eyes with his hand for a moment after a few sighing breaths he feels a little better and uncovers his eyes the man's head rises from the lunette a few inches from his nose he recoils from the bath with a violent start oh lord my brain's gone check a bitty he staggers down to the writing table end of part two